And welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. Thoughtful conversation about the news of the day. That's our intention. We address the existential threats to America and invite your voice, too, which is what we're going to do today. We'll catch up on your emails. You shared lots of thoughts. I want to get to them today. So let's uh, let's get started. I have a few thoughts first. A lot going on, Claude. We got this craziness with the president and the gas tax, federal gas tax. This is, as Barack Obama called it, a gimmick. <laughs> uh, it's going to take a maximum of about 18 cents a gallon, mm-hmm. which ain't the heart of the problem. It also means that it could add to inflation because there may be a greater demand for gas with that decrease. Right. That could drive the price right back up and that 18 cents would disappear. Also, that gas tax is used for infrastructure. So it'll uh, increase the deficit. Nobody's even looking at the deficit these days, but somebody better, somebody better and do it sometime soon. Any comments on that, Claude? Your thoughts? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, because I was speaking with a friend of mine, uh, super liberal, uh, and, and they are admittedly so. Uh, and uh, actually, a few days ago, <laughs> we were having a conversation and said, you know, I understand that things are bad, but I don't think it's President Biden's fault. Uh, and then, and, and then they said, you know, well, explain to me what he's doing to make it bad. And so what I said was, well, you're the one defending the president. Why don't you let me know what he's doing to help things? Cause you said it's bad. So let's just start there. What is he doing to help the economy grow? What is he doing to help the American people? What is he doing from a policy of uh, a foreign policy standpoint that makes things better? They couldn't answer. So uh, it's interesting because, again, when you talk about this gas tax, it's not as if that's going to make things better for folks. And and and, and if people want to go back to listen to the uh, episode before this one with Brian Kennedy and Joe Farkas, where they yeah. laid, I mean, Joe Farkas laid out, if you want to, you know, ease the, the, the pain at the pump for the American people, here are some things you can do right now. Uh, and he goes down the line of things that you can do right now to ease it. The issue is, is that, you know, and you bring this up so uh, a lot, Dr. Bennett is, you know, and this was kind of the theme or evolved into the theme of the last podcast. Perhaps this isn't intentional from the administration. Want you to feel the pain at the pump in a way to bring about a whole new different economy that's green energy uh, in a way that competes with um, with with oil and with gas. No, that's good. That's very good. Um, look, this is a piddling thing. And, and you, you rightly, Claude, direct us to the larger picture, which is they want rid of Mm-hmm. fossil fuel. And so, you know, this piddling thing won't make any difference. And the vision, their vision is get everybody in electric cars and get rid of fossil fuel and that's hostility to the industry and so on and so on. And mm-hmm. and that's, that's where we are. And that's where his head is. And that's where people who are advising him, that's what they believe. And that's where they're going. So this gas tax thing is a, it's a, a small mirage uh, uh, and uh, and gimmick. Um, apparently, there's not a lot of sympathy for it either uh, in the House or Senate, mm-hmm. more in the House than in the Senate. But I'm not, he needs that Congress to pass. I don't think they'll pass this thing. And those who are, you know, screaming out about, you know, America's, um, you know, carbon footprint and things like that. It's been repeatedly noted on this show that this country does better than a majority of the countries in the world when it comes to its carbon footprint. And it's amazing how America is criticized so much by Americans about its carbon footprint. And they say nothing about China. They say nothing about India. They say nothing about some of the developing countries that's using a lot of this, um, you know, oil and uh, manufacturing that uh, to, to build its economy. You know, we do actually really, really well. No, we could, we've got a cleaner air than we had before. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if you let's say let's say the world consumes a hundred x of of oil every day, if America produces twenty percent of it, its overall average is going to be better, cleaner than if it produced ten percent of it. Of course, if America mm-hmm. produced thirty percent of it, it'll the overall effect will be cleaner air. Mm-hmm. Now it mm-hmm. won't be really clean because of China and India, as you point out. But American fossil fuels. As we do them are, are, are the cleanest is the cleanest oil around and the best for the environment around. Yes, and that's the one that uh, the president wants to shut down. It's quite amazing, and plus, plus, go hat in hand to uh, Venezuela, to uh, you know Saudi Arabia. When we have it right here in the ground, it's just, it's just. It's just so pathetic. It's just so wrong. It's just yeah. so wrongheaded. And if I can bring and, sports uh, into this, it's so funny. You have so many golfers, yeah. and I love golf, um, who are being criticized for joining this uh, Live Golf Tour, the Saudi back yeah. tour, and saying, oh, you can't take that money. It's dirty money. Well, the president just went to Saudi Arabia. You know, he's going, gas yeah. and oil. So, you know, what are you doing with golfers when the president does the same thing? I don't, you know. And, I, and my, my guess is those golfers didn't use uh, such strong language of condemnation against Saudi Arabia as, as, as Biden did when he was vice. Oh, of course not. No, 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 no. no they no, didn't, they didn't no, do that. No. Mm-hmm. All right. We, um, we got to talk about these primaries too, but a lot, a lot of interesting things going on there. But, uh, I got a prediction. You know, they talked about the soccer mom election. Okay. This could be the Hispanic mom election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Republican Hispanic women taking uh, center stage in a lot of these primaries. And uh, we'll have more to say about that later. But, um, you know, this it's, it's quite, quite interesting what's going on. And, um, you know, they're nearby in Virginia uh, and in Texas, uh, Hispanic women going Republican, going against Democrats, in some cases prevailing. And uh, this could be a very interesting trend. It absolutely can be a very interesting t- uh, a trend. And, um, you, you know, you look at the, the pulse around the country. I mean, even in big cities, uh, there are folks who are done with the crime. That's on an increase. I look at Washington, D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser, who very popular in D.C., had a couple of of folks who ran on we've got to stop the crime in the city and gave her a run for her money. And so I think, you know, right, left, whatever, I think we're going to see a unification on issues where it comes to crime in our cities. I think gender identification might be one of those things. But one thing for sure, that's it is I think I think pockets, our economy and crime, um, you know, will be those things that we get to follow. And you made a great observation a couple of episodes ago where also schools, parents are starting to pay attention to what's happening in the schools. And you talked about those soccer moms, those suburban moms. They're in the school board meetings now. And 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 if you thought they didn't if you thought they didn't want, you know, what could be considered critical race theory being taught, because they definitely don't want, you know, gender fluidity being taught to their second no. graders and their third graders. And, no, they, you know, no, it's just right. not where, you know, where they don't. And so a lot of parents are saying, um, well, I'll pull the kid out. We'll pull our kids out. You mm-hmm. know, are there alternatives? And, you know, not much noticed, I have to point out, but big Supreme Court decision in Maine, uh, a case there where they were giving, uh, they uh, refused to give in Maine money to, for religious schools. Right. And Supreme Court struck that down. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Said if uh, if the money is you know uh, not not directly given by the government, but uh, you know to districts and and parents choose they can choose religious schools, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the funding follows that. And this is in a long line of cases that this court has said school choice and school choice subsidized, and we're getting very close to you know 
the money's on the back of the kid and follows the kid wherever he goes, mm-hmm. whatever kind of school, religious school, private school, parochial school, homeschool. And uh, so you're going to see a lot more movement. People get vote with their feet when it comes to the education of their children. And when it comes to that point, too, I wonder what will happen You know, if, if parents start to elect to bring their kids home, as we've been seeing. Uh, you know, you talk about following the money. I wonder if education um, budgets will then go down because the, the amount of students actually in schools are dropping or will they continue to ask for more and more money? The problem is we need to spend more, spend more, spend more. In a lot of places, they'll get less money because mm-hmm. it's a formula. Number of students, you know, times X, you know, thousand dollars. And true. so if they lose them, they, they lose them. But however, but there's a lot of money still floating around, you know, from um, Biden's bills. There's a lot of states have tons of money. There's billions of dollars out there uh, that hasn't been spent yet in education. This was for, you know, redoing schools so they'd be, you know, uh, kids would be more protected against COVID. Of course, the best thing for a kid protection against COVID is being a kid. Um, but anyway, there's there's billions floating around. I wouldn't worry about financing schools right now. And you have a story, right, where as Secretary of Education, you uh, submitted a budget that requested less than a year before. Yeah, and that's right. you were advised, no, 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 don't ask for less, even if yeah. you don't need it. <laughs> Just, yeah, even in the Reagan administration. Uh, yeah. Now, one of the president, it was a couple of people around the president who said, oh, no, no, we're asking for 16.8. I said, I only need 14.5. <laughs> they said, well, what, what are you, crazy? So, But I, I went over their heads and uh, took less. Mm-hmm. Proud of it. And we did yes. more with it. We got mm-hmm. more bang for the buck. So have you ever browsed in incognito mode? It's probably not as incognito as you think. And why would it be? Incognito mode, like the Chrome browser itself, is a Google product. And Google has made its fortune by tracking your movements online. There's even a $5 billion class action lawsuit against the company in California where it's accused of secretly collecting user data. That's right. Google's defense, incognito does not mean invisible. So how can you really trust incognito mode? So how do you actually make yourself as invisible as possible online? You use ExpressVPN like I do. Turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location, but... With ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use no matter what device you're on, your phone, your laptop, or even your smart TV. All you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bennett and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Bennett. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bennett to learn more. A 
let's go to emails. All right. So from our friend Don in Redmond, Washington, says Bill and Claude, you asked for comments on gender fluidity. Uh, it's yeah. just a fad and will become a historical oddity uh, like the mood ring. The gender we were born with is immutable. And this has not changed no matter how many academics propose otherwise. To say that you can identify as whatever gender you feel like is as absurd as me at 5'6 and 63-year-old identifying as an NBA player. No matter how fervently I believe I'm in the NBA, no contract is coming my way. Uh, well, I may be more likely than regarding you as a woman, Don. Right. How come people don't make the uh, chromosome argument XXXY? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that, that swimmer is still, you know, uh, XY, not XX. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's there. Now, this this international group uh, on sports, did you see that decision? Uh, if, if, the, if the gender shift is done before age 12, Right. Uh, they'll accept that, yeah. it after mm-hmm. age 12. Mm-hmm. No. So you got this swimmer. I didn't realize what's his name. Leah. Is that mm-hmm. his name? Her name. Yeah. Thomas or Leah Thomas. He's like six foot three or four. Right. Uh-huh. Muscular guy, you know, but you know, it's too late. Uh, yeah. It's what this, this international body is saying. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, you know, is as this movement peaked and it's now going to go downhill. Uh, as Don says, it'll be a relic. Maybe uh, we're seeing signs of, uh, you know, people really challenging the whole woke, woke idea here mm-hmm. and, and the gender fluidity. I guess. The, did you see the governor of Michigan? She said she wanted to issue a, something of the rights of all people who menstruate. Right. Uh, not, not the rights of all women. But yeah. The rights of all people who menstruate. Right. And I just heard a report from uh, someone that in the state of Oregon, they're equipping all the bathrooms including the boys' room, with tampons uh, and dispensers in, in case the boys need them. Right. In case they're right. going through transition. I mean, what the hell are we doing? This yeah. Madness. You, no, you're this right. Insanity. And- Oregon, of course, is where it legalized all these drugs, almost everything. And, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a dying, a large number of people dying that, that were not at risk before. Ridiculous, horrible. And like I said before on the show, I think that this is the issue where we see the turning point, where we see the momentum start to shift. Because after a while, I mean, you know, if if the argument is, well, this girl identifies as a boy and wants to transition by putting tampons in the boy's bathroom, you're already admitting that this girl who wants to be a boy is still not a boy. And so. And, well, and, and well so, I guess. Yeah, I guess you just got to make all the bathrooms. Yeah. What, well, now it's next. Exactly. Which, by the way, doesn't even seem to be their um, mantra now. You know, it doesn't seem to be what they even want now. Like, why don't we make it's all the bathrooms unisex? They don't want that now. They want you to accept a girl transitioning to a boy in the boys' bathroom. Um, if, if it, again, if it were all about just the individual being comfortable or anything like that, there you could you could do that with just yeah, yeah. you know um you know because it's very interesting the restrooms in my house are unisex the girl can go in whatever bathroom you want to go to my house so there's ways to do it but that's not where they want to start they want the transitioning yeah, yeah. to go into the and that's and and, and I, I think once you, i think there there's a point there um because it gets so ridiculous that that's i think that this is the the ground we see the turning point um, and it could happen with this and, and trickle down to a lot of other things. But this is the most, to me, I'd be heartbroken if, 
if we couldn't stand the ground on this. I mean, yes, it's putting tampons in the boys' bathroom. Why don't you just make them all unisex bathroom? Right. You know, I, that's a step too far, I guess. Mm-hmm. But remember how Charlotte was punished when they were trying to keep the separate bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Remember they moved the NBA All-Star game and all sorts of things out of Charlotte. Let's go to our next email. All right, we've got our friend Jimmy Jackson uh, emailing in saying, Dr. Bennett and Claude, our country needs more of your Common Sense podcast. I thoroughly enjoy all your podcasts, but I appreciate the ones on education the most. I have two grandsons, and I'm deeply concerned about their future. Thank you both, and please continue what you are doing. And I would like to amend that a little bit. I'm, I'm along for the ride, and I help out, uh, you know, no, with production no, and stuff. No, but no, This no. wisdom is coming from Dr. Bennett. I'm just saying. That's know. very nice. That was a nice email you wrote under the name of Jimmy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. That was Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? Uh, he didn't mention where, he's, oh. where he emailed in from. I always like to know where people are from. Yeah. Funny, I think of the person, I think of the place. As you know, I've been everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. What's next, man? All right. We've got our friend Howard Glass. Uh, says, Where's uh, he image- from? Again, he, did, he didn't mention. So, yeah, when you guys email in. See, just, it's, you know, it's the world of the Internet. People don't live in places anymore. They just yeah. live in the ether. Isn't that what President Obama said? I'm a global citizen. All these oh, global yeah. citizens. Okay. <laughs> we're, 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 we're happy to hear from our global, global listeners. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Howard Glass says, in the June 3rd podcast, you talk about how grown men yeah, look the other way when someone is assaulted in public. Uh, surely you understand why. If you try to stop a thug and get physical, you are likely to be arrested for assault yourself. Because of the nonsense of the past few years, uh, and in parentheses, uh, Ferguson effect, uh, BLM riots, uh, called peaceful, uh, called peaceful and the couple, uh, in St. Louis. The cops may see the defender as an easy conviction. They have to show some kind of enforcement results. If the blue men can't stop real bad guys, why should I try? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I'd like, I'd like more reader, listener response. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see something going on. You're walking down the street in New York and you see an old lady and you see some young guy come up and pop her on the back of the head and start going through her pocketbook. Do you tackle him or not? Do you, Claude? You know what? So I would like to think that I would. I would like to think that. And I, and I was in a situation similar to that um, at, a, at a football game, at a Maryland-Penn uh, State football game this past season. Uh, there was a Penn State fan. Uh, they were in fourth quarter. They start to pull away. And he's just railing and screaming and yelling and pointing and cursing at a woman um, across the aisle from him, across the stairs. And I'm turning around. I'm just watching. And someone says something. And I just walk up to the guy like, you got to stop. You have to stop. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah, everyone's trying to enjoy themselves. You're yelling and screaming and cursing at this woman. That's totally inappropriate. And um, what I ended up doing was getting the guards and they, and they ushered him out, you know, obviously. And, and, you know, we got him out of there. But I don't I don't know if the fear is, uh, you know, the police would convict the one who is jumping in. I think it's it's confidence knowing that there are more people around you who will help you do good. I, I you know, I, I, I was going to say something and I did something, but I also knew that there were security guards around there that I can go get to get this guy out of here if he got out of hand. And we ended up, you know, getting the guards and they got him got him out of here. But I think it has more to do with with maybe Americans or citizens not being sure that there's enough good around to assist. But there is. I mean, I'm sure well, that on, on the subway in Washington, D.C., on the metro, if someone does something, steal someone's phone, there's more people on that bus that want to do something. They're just not sure if they're the only one or not. I got a series of questions for you. Okay. Uh, and I mean, it's for the audience, and it's for me as well. Uh, first of all, I want to recall the Kitty Genovese case before you were born. A woman in New York who was being raped and murdered 
crying out for help in the middle of the night. Apartment complex, tons of people heard her. Nobody helped her. And what did this say about America, Americans? That was one case. There are other cases. There was a case in New York recently where some guy was doing it and the whole crowd turned on him and, and you know, uh, the strength of the crowd and subdued the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there was some wreckage or something, a car plowed in and everybody jumped in and helped. I, I can't remember the details. Someone, mm-hmm. someone else will. But here are my questions. First of all, do you, I think you answered this. Do you just go before even thinking the answer in your situation is no. Right. Right. Would you size up the guy before you did it? Wondering, yes. you know, can I take this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are you? 40. Yeah, I'm almost twice your age. Does that matter? Did you have your son with you? Yes, I did at the game. Yeah, son and wife. Son and wife. Uh, that, that matters. Mm-hmm. I, I remember going to Fenway Park in Boston, you know, just you know, with the date. I wasn't married then. And, uh, you know, the, the language was so foul up in the bleachers. A uh, couple times just left and one one or two times told people to shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a friend, very mild-mannered humanities professor. You know, it looks like Mr. Peepers. I mean, just the kind of guy you'd think is just a, you know, reclusive academic type, you know, he's slim of build and, you know, uh, not, a, not a macho guy. He's driving, he's driving his car. He confessed this to me down in Park Avenue in New York. Guy pulls up next to him, young guy, and his window's open and the car is just blaring at the top volume, just top volume. And my friend said, you know, and likely as it was, I just yelled at the guy, turn that goddamn thing down. <laughs> I said, were you planning to do that? He said, no, it just came out of me. Mm-hmm. Just comes out of you, then the other questions are are are, are moot. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to come back to your situation. Uh, do you think you could get help from the crowd if you if you challenge this guy? Do you think you could have in that situation? I do, because much like you said, I measured the guy up. I felt like I had a fine shot, and then also I looked at the the tone of the crowd around, and there were a lot of people who were upset, and even a couple of people who I kind of made eye contact with and gave me a head nod, like, "Hey, man, if you go at it, I'm with you." And so. Um, I kind of banked on that. Okay. Well, that's important. And that's extremely helpful and mm-hmm. encouraging, isn't it? It is. No, it is. It is. And by the way, you, you mentioned, you know, son and wife with me. Honestly, if they weren't with me, it, it wouldn't have mattered uh-huh. to me much uh-huh. if anybody uh-huh. was with me or not. I would have just taken a guy on because, you know, they're not there. It doesn't matter. But with them there, I just wanted to kind of play it safe. And, but once I saw, okay, yeah, and the guard's kind of here, I made him aware oh, okay. about it. Okay. We're good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So their being there made you play it a little safer. Correct. Mm-hmm. But if what this guy had been saying had been directed at your wife. Oh, yeah. No, we're going at it. Yep. New, yep, new yep, ball yep. game. New ball game. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He was a few. He was a few rows up from us. Yeah, um, okay. And she didn't even okay. notice him. But I did. Because I'm just, you know, you know, this guy's we're of kind of aware. We're aware of what's going on. Well, you're aware. Us. You're a I got father. My family you're a protector. Here. Yeah. You're a protecting. protector of your family. Yeah. My wife and son had no clue what was going on. I kind of heard some stuff and I turned around to check it out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been in those situations and, you know, I've thought about it now at, you know, at a, at a somewhat advanced age. Uh, did you see the, this new series on, uh, I think it's on, on uh, Hulu. Is that a series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Streaming service. Yep. Anyway, it's called The Old Man. You yes, I saw episode one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yes. Who I think is my favorite actor. I just, just love the guy. <laughs> and, and he's an old man. Mm-hmm. But in, but in episode one, he just beats the crap out of, you know, three young FBI guys. You know? Yep. 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 <laughs> I, I looked him up and he's his old man. He's 72. I said, look, he's 72. 
Mm-hmm. My wife's watching and saying, look, 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 see, he can do, he does that. You can do that. I said, this is a TV show. Yeah. They planned a lot of this <laughs> a TV show. Right. And they're obviously aiming this at the demographic, you know, the aging Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get all these old guys who are watching TV to feel good about themselves. Yes, sir. Yes, hey, sir. look at Jeff. I can do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you think about it a little differently when you're, when you're older. Cause you, you know, you're right. slower. But I, I, I think I would intervene in some situations, obviously for a family, my wife, my grandson, sure. my boys, I wouldn't have to, cause they're, you know, well, pretty yeah. no one is saying guys. anything to either one of your boys. No, 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 <laughs> no, but my wife, my grandson, something, yeah. you know, I, I, I would go, but I, I, now in my mind, I would say I would go knowing it's could mm-hmm. be a suicide mission. Sure. 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 A uh, young guy, guy who's 30 years younger you know, better, better shape. So one hasn't had the ailments I've had. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not decrepit, but not what I once was. Either, sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, th- those are interesting questions, and I'd love the audience reaction to these. It seems to me that, that one great solution to all of this is the strength of the crowd. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if, if I, I don't know, is there a signal? Can you say, "Hey, folks, I'm. A, I, I don't like what this guy's doing. Anybody with me?" Right, right. If you yeah. got to show a three or four hands, that would sure encourage you, you know. Mm-hmm, sure, sure. I mean, we see this. We see this happen naturally a lot during the worry about hijacking on planes. You know, somebody's going up to the to cockpit, bag, get grabbing. You know, right, right. Was that flight ninety seven? The let's roll or flight ninety three? Ninety three. Ninety three. Let's roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, that was life mm-hmm. and death, and they knew yeah. it. That was mm-hmm. life and death. They knew it. All right. I think it's a fascinating question. And I, it is for man or everyone who doesn't menstruate, maybe I should say. Or, right. or I guess that. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't guess know. I right? got that wrong. I got yeah. that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. <laughs> Uh, we've got one more email. You want to check this one out? Please, I do. All right, our friend Jeff Heisley or Heasley from Anchorage, Alaska says, "Well, he's from from someplace. Good, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't yeah, just exist in the ether. <laughs> yeah, not just a global for you from a we're citizen not, of we're Anchorage. Not gonna look <laughs> we're not going to track you down. Sorry. There you go, dear Claudia, Doctor Bennett. I have a thought on the massacre in Texas, and I acknowledge that I'm reaching out of anger and sorrow." When our country determined there was a security exposure at airports, we sent billions equipping and uh, training and funding the TSA and its officers. I have friends who work at TSA, and uh, there appear to be ongoing training and constant emphasis on competence, as well as enormous expenditure on equipment. Could we not do the same uh, uh, or similar uh, to protect our precious school cho- uh, children? I recognize immediate uh, problems such as the fact that air travel is a federal responsibility, whereas school safety is a state and local obliga- uh, obligation. No, no. Nonetheless, involving the federal government in partnership with state and local authorities would seem to address issues such as officer competence, a provision of necessary equipment and ongoing training, as well as intelligence sharing among jurisdictions. Uh, it wraps up by saying, I wonder if I might have your thoughts on this uh, critical matter. Never miss uh, any podcast. Keep us informed, please, with your ideas. Well, sure. More training. But, you know, um, I, I agree. However, the, the, the problem here in Uvalde apparently is not the training, but the decision making on the spot. You know, more and more is coming out. Just <laughs> pictures of these officers standing there. And apparently doors to classrooms were not locked. 
These guys had shields and guns. They heard firing going on. You hear the guns, you go to the sale of the guns. Go. That was the lesson of Columba. Mm-hmm. And he had all these armed officers, but apparently the guy in charge, it's the head of the security Uvalde school security program, said, no, wait. And I, I don't know why he couldn't be overruled by the state guy or, you know, federal or something, but he's waiting for the key. He's waiting for the key for the janitor. At right. least I'm going on the reports I'm getting. So what I'm saying is maybe he was very well trained. He just, he just made a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Judgment. There's no program for I, that I know of that helps people become better judges right. of situations. You can give them information, but your deal of judgment you know, can't be sure if someone said that you got to make judgments, but you can have training and training and still, you know, have be a dope about things. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's what happened here. And it's just horrible. My God. And there were, pl- there was plenty of firepower. Right. And apparently plenty of ability to get in. And I guess, I guess still too, some teacher left and put a rocket in the door, one of the doors to keep it open, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Shakespeare says readiness is all. And I quote that all the time. Uh, this audience has heard me. You've heard me ad nauseum. Readiness is all. But readiness is not just a function of training. It's a function of, you know, habituating your mind to the fact that certain things might occur and getting yourself ready in the head. Mm-hmm. And I don't, did this guy ever think his school would be taken over? Probably not. But, I mean, what about the guy at Parkland High School in Florida? He was this on-site security cop. He'd been trained, trained. But when the shooting started, he left, you know. Right. Left out and ran out of yeah. school. So readiness is, 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 is more than just training. I, I'm all for it. But it's interesting you talk about, you know, looking at the, at the, at the football game, see whether people might join you. The guy there in, in Uvalde had that in spades. He had a whole bunch of guys who were ready to join him mm-hmm. with, with weapons, with guns, with rifles. Talk about a group, a line, you know, to do the right thing. Maybe he needs to be reminded that when you become a law enforcement officer, like a soldier, you, you make a pledge that, you know, you're prepared to give your life for another. Right. Maybe you forgot that. Don't know. We'll, we'll find out more, but I still, this gnaws at me. Even if that guy made a dumb decision, if you're there and, and you got more experience and you're smarter and you're with the state police or sheriff or the Texas Rangers, don't you just say BS, man, get out of the way. Right. We're going right. in. You're overruled. Oh, well, mm-hmm. you can't overrule me. I will overrule you. I'll take the chance mm-hmm. to save those kids. I, I don't know why that couldn't happen or didn't happen. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to the com. Claude, everybody can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Isn't that true? Correct. Yes, it is true. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you quiz for Claude. How do they email the show? It'll be the podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast folks with your family and friends. We're growing and we'd like you to help us grow. We'll catch up next week. 